0: My eyes are slowly getting worse, probably because I spend hours every day staring at a computer screen. I have colleagues who have developed carpal tunnel syndrome from typing so much. I'm not complaining. Other job-specific injuries are much worse. Football players, for example, can expect some degree of traumatic brain injury. Firefighters inhale smoke and ash damage their spines, and suffer serious burns. For police officers, the ultimate risk is suicide.
1: Our data used uh, Centers for Disease Control statistics, which cover about 26 states in the country. And with that data, we have seen that the, the, the risk of suicide among officers is... Higher than that of the general population, but it remains a controversy, and it remains as there's no solid, steadfast uh, number that we can pin on, on police suicides. We know that there are a lot of them. That's John Violanti. John Violanti, I'm a research professor at the Department of Epidemiology and Environmental Health at the School of Health Professions, University of Buffalo, New York.
0: Violanti is perhaps the lead researcher in the country, collecting and analyzing data on how the job of law enforcement affects the physical and mental health of police officers.
1: And he's right. There's not a lot of good data about police suicide. But the data is hard to come by, and and the reason is that uh, departments are not reporting or there's no central way for departments to report suicides, and if there were, they probably would be hesitant to do so.
0: That doesn't mean it's a question. There's clearly a relationship between law enforcement and suicide. Law enforcement officials have accepted that fact for years, at least since 2013. Tony West, then acting assistant attorney general, spoke about mental illness like a gunshot. He wrote, quote, Officer suicide and mental wellness needs to be addressed just as directly as officer vests." That year, the International Association of Chiefs of Police came out with a report on the subject, acknowledging the connection between police work and suicide. The foreword to that report was written by Craig T. Steckler, then the IACP president and a former police chief himself. Here's my colleague, Scott Fabell reading from that forward. The truth is our police officers and professional employees are not immune to the stresses of the job. Arguably, they are more susceptible given the nature of police work. But continuing to ignore police suicide, to act like it does not happen or that it will not happen in our department, is doing our officers and professional employees a grave disservice.
1: Yeah, we did a study along quite a few years ago that uh, showed over a period of, I think it was 15 years, uh, that the suicide rate was higher among officers than it was among firefighters, but it was not higher than a uh, veteran's suicide. It was sort of in the middle. Um, so we are, we are seeing, uh, you know, in my view, we are seeing increased risk suicide among police officers.
0: Remember, police officers are confronted with horrors every single day. They see people at their worst, humanity at its
1: least humane. From what I've seen from my data, the primary officer who commits suicide would be the patrol officer, more than the sergeant or the lieutenant or the captain and so forth. Most of the suicides in our data are at the lower level of policing, the officer that goes out on the street and does a job every day.
0: And don't think for a second that it matters if an officer works in an urban setting. Post-traumatic stress is a real problem wherever a cop is employed. What makes the difference is
1: access to mental health services. One of the things we did find is that the um, the risk of suicide was higher. In smaller departments than it was in larger departments, we figured that probably the reason for that was that there's a less uh, availability of uh, mental health help, and, and there's less understanding in the small departments, and they don't they don't have the facilities and the, um, the support that larger departments have to deal with mental health and officers. Also, you have you know you have a greater uh, exposure to the community. I mean, everybody knows you in yeah. a small town and uh, so if you mess up somehow in your job it, everyone's going to know about it it's really going to put a, a damper on your psychological health
0: mental health concerns are not the only result of ptsd among police officers Violanti's research has been focusing on the connection between police work and heart disease
1: Post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, for example, if you have high levels of PTSD, you have an increased risk for having what we call subclinical heart disease. That's, that's a precursor to a future heart attack. And we see statistical associations between
0: that. Violanti's been working on this for years, and he's seeing not only a statistical correlation, between PTSD and heart problems in police, but a physical relationship between the -the on-the-job stress experienced by
1: cops and cardiovascular disease. So there's a a very strong causal association going on between stress and cardiovascular disease in cops. When we look over time, and we're just starting to do that now, uh, over a period of years, we see that that risk increases. Well, let me give you an example. We look at the carotid artery, for example. The carotid right. artery are the arteries in your neck. Uh, we look at the thickness of those arteries. Now, the thicker they are, we can do this with ultrasound, by the way. The thicker they are, the more likely they're getting clogged up. We look at the association between the thickness of the artery and stress and PTSD uh, and see if there's any association. And yes, there is. As uh, stress increases in officers and PTSD increases in officers, we see thicker carotid arteries. We see poor artery health in other parts of the body as well.
0: Interestingly, it matters which shift an officer routinely works. You have less chance of a heart attack if you work a day shift.
1: Officers who work the midnight shift have a... uh, a greater risk of poor artery health. Uh, the artery health I was talking about previously, uh, uh, the night shift has a greater risk. And of course, the longer you work that, uh, the more their risk increases.
0: The problem is the culture of silence. The belief among police officers that they're tough and that tough guys don't complain. They don't confront the PTSD so departments don't collect accurate data, so researchers and health professionals have little to work with.
1: And I tell police officers, listen, uh, if, you, if you had a broken arm and a cast on it, uh, all your fellow officers would come and sign your cast and you'd laugh about it. If you came into the uh, barracks and you said, I have depression, everybody's going to run away from you. So I think that's what we need to change in this culture. It, it, the culture in policing is very cohesive and it's very uh, attuned to the fact that um, we can't have problems. We, you know, we must be strong and we, we can't be weak and uh, because of that, sometimes they neglect the fact that they, they actually do need help.
0: Violante has a unique perspective on the whole issue. Yes. He's an academic doing serious longitudinal research on a touchy subject, but this is a second career for him. He was, for decades, a New York State trooper.
1: I was. I was a uh, trooper and uh, a member of the uh, Bureau of Criminal Investigation for the uh, New York State Police uh, for a period of 23 years. I felt that uh, I needed to uh, better understand the world and and the um, the type of effect that the job of policing has on the individuals that choose to choose it as a profession. He knows firsthand how the job affects a cop's mind and body. I saw, you know, myself getting uh, frustrated and um, sometimes angry at things that happened uh, in in the job. So when he talks to police officers about getting help, they know he's speaking from
0: experience.
1: On a global scale, it's a matter of changing the police culture. On an individual scale, it's a matter of saying, listen, you know, I understand how you feel. Uh, I'm a cop. You're a cop. I know how you feel. You know, you don't want everybody to think you're a wimp or a weak or you are crazy or anything. And you understand that. And we can do this confidentially. Come on. We'll take you. We'll go see. I'll go with you. We'll go see a counselor. Most of the time, that'll work. Once in a while, you'll get an officer to say, no, no, you know, I don't want to do this. But most of the time, they will. And Violanti wasn't just a state trooper. He was also an
0: EAP representative. It was his job to be an ear to listen when his fellow officers were stretched too thin.
1: I think it's important to understand that uh, police officers are, are, are human beings. There's a big cost to that. There's a big cost to being human because the, the feelings that officers have and then don't want to show eat them out inside. Most police officers, in in, in my view, again, most police officers are okay. I mean, they're, they're resilient. You know, and resiliency is the ability to bounce back. Uh, but there are those, those few that get tangled up and and run out of the ability to cope with the stress they experience and the trauma they see, those are the people I think that uh, are are most likely to, uh, to suicide.
0: Here's a guy who's been in the trenches, both as a cop and as a researcher. He spends his days cataloging the effects of life in law enforcement, mental illness, heart disease, suicide. But Violanti is surprisingly upbeat about the future. The stigma of mental illness is maybe less pervasive, and more departments are offering the services officers need. But the jury's not out. The data is still incomplete.
1: It's hard to say. We, we don't have that data to confirm that. But I think it's going to change. You know, I think uh, things are getting better. When we look at some longitudinal data over the next few years to see if suicide rates going down, if there's some way we can find that out, and and the PTSD rate is being going down, uh, then maybe we'll say, okay, good, good. Uh, if not, if it's not working. We, we have to go in a different direction.
0: Thanks to John Violanti for the education, and to Scott Fabel for his portrayal of Chief Steckler. Before I go, I'd like to ask you to please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would really help me out. And if you can't wait a month for a new episode, sign up for the Crime Scene newsletter at lohud.us slash crimescene. Every week, I share crime scene photos, new true crime stories, police files, transcripts, in-depth discussions, and more. All delivered to your email for free, once a week. L-O-H-U-D dot U-S slash crime scene, all lowercase. This is Crime Scene. I'm Jordan Finster.